Hello, everyone. How are you? Uh, my name is John Funderberg, and welcome to the Winter is Here Game of Thrones podcast. We are about to dive into the, uh, th- our third episode, and I'm here with my co-host, Andre. Hey, what's up? And Diana. What's up? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know about you guys, but this was absolutely my favorite episode of the year for the Game of Thrones. Yes, I agree. Definitely. It was the best one so far. So, Andre, what did you think of it? What, what What was your favorite for you? I mean, for me, it was it was kind of the culmination. It's not the culmination because we're we're still at the beginning of the season, but so many different pieces of this world are coming together and interacting with each other. We've ne- we have never at this point seen. High Garden. We've never seen Casterly Rock. Like we were in both places today. Like this, just despite all the different pieces that moved on the board today, just the new things we saw, things we've talked about that was fresh and it was interesting. It was just crazy. And Diana. Oh my God, the, I, I I don't know where to start. Basically, everything. This is what we've discussed so many times with the show. Just it always just throws you for a loop and gives you what you're not expecting. I thought with all the previews and all the trailers and all everything I was reading into that, that you know, this whole Casterly Rock thing was going to be this huge battle and this huge win for Daenerys. And of course the show just turns it, you know, in the opposite direction. And of course Cersei saw it coming and the, the whole thing happened with Highgarden, which I totally was not expecting whatsoever. And the ending, Lena, rest in peace. Oh my gosh. Uh, Greatest death of the whole series. Well, I mean, at least death, pre-death monologue. That's for sure. Uh, She killed him in that monologue. Oh, yeah. She she destroyed him. She killed him. him. It was amazing. That was unbelievable. I know. Chills. I'm getting chills all over again. (laughs) Well, the reason why this is my favorite episode was, and I was trying to think of a good analogy, this to me was like a much-anticipated prize fight where you had very good like extremely good rounds but you also had good like not just haymakers but also good good punches in between good like shots there was in. good shots in. yeah there were yeah. so many um big scenes that were underpinned by the great smaller subtle scenes like the conversation yeah. between Jon Snow and Daenerys oh my was goodness classic I'm gonna watch that like ten different times because there was so many. There was so much inside of that first. I don't even meeting. think I fully comprehend just watching it once. Everything you can't happen there. You cannot. No, you can't. Yeah. You can't. And then the conversation that Various had with Missandre. Oh my god. Oh That's... man. Woo. How about Euron yeah. with Jamie in front of the throne? Like just the way he was taunting oh him was just. I like, loved it. Yeah, I had to text you guys. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This and... pretty much. Th- I feel like this episode was. Just every single meeting, you know, every single scene of two characters that you kind of like wanted to see dialogue between finally happened, you know, and just the combinations of people that they gave scenes to was just it was like finally giving us something that we wanted, you know, because it was like, all right, we're tired of seeing Daenerys just talk to Tyrion and Missandei, you know, so finally we get her with Jon Snow, you know, we're tired. We saw Euron talking to Cersei last time and all we wanted to to know is what Jamie thought of the whole thing. And then this week we get to see Jamie and you're on talk. And, you know, it was just that the whole episode was just finally seeing conversations between characters that I really wanted to see. And it was really, really amazing. It's crazy how much in 60 minutes, how much have changed. Like just, just the momentum swing away from Daenerys. Like we would have said 60 minutes ago that this was Daenerys's to win. She had it in her grasp and just a few pieces moving. Well, I've, it's not a few pieces moving. It felt like that to us. But these little bits of movements here and there completely changed the Cersei's advantage. Right. Unbelievable. And this is kind of what we 
had hoped for because we talked in prior podcasts about how it was kind of almost depressing and un, un- right. Game of Thrones like to see the Lannisters so weak, you know. Yeah. So it was so I, I loved seeing them kind of come back to power, you know, as much as. Of course, I I did not want Yara to get kidnapped, and as much as I hated the death of Olena because she's an amazing character, it was also really fulfilling to see the the Lannisters that they still have it, you know, that they they still are going to be the villains of the season. Speaking of which, I've totally forgot the Martell scene or the sand scene where the Martells are in the dungeon and Cersei is just... Boss, vicious. that was a boss it was, moment. She that was, was sick. That's the I was looking for. Boss, that yes, was anyway. That was a boss think, moment right yeah, there. This episode, we may have to do like like two additional podcasts because it's going to be <laughs> too much to put inside and, and keep it at sixty minutes. Because as I'm thinking about the different conversations, what about the conversation between Bran and Sansa? Oh, yeah, so that creepy. Was, that was a little weird, but that was weird. Bran, because it's, it was yeah. kind of like I was talking on that one podcast. Like Bran doesn't care to be. Lord of any place, he's think he exactly. has a higher calling. You right. called you called that like it's almost like you saw the episode before it came out. Yeah, because you detailed his response perfectly. There was something that you called. You who was it, or was it Diana, or was it John who called the idea that Tyrion knew all about the sewers and he was going to use that? Yeah, to I, ultimately I it didn't matter, but that. that was yours. Okay, right. Ultimately, I also thought it was going to turn into a way bigger thing than it was, but yeah. You know, well, matter. hey. I called the slave traders having some kind of role, but I didn't know what kind. But the slave traders are are funding the Iron Bank, and the Iron Bank is funding Cersei. So yeah. that came into play a little bit. Well, Not the way I expected. The, the slave traders are, I mean, the slave, the, the Iron Bank of Bravos. It, it was implied that they have investments right. in the slave trade, trade business. Uh-huh. I wouldn't say that the slave trade business uh, necessarily supports them by any means, because Bravos was a city that was founded actually by by free slaves so the whole idea of this man sitting with cersei and it was sort of implied that he was going to you know take her side in the whole thing either means that the show writers didn't neglected that little fact from the books or that despite what you saw on the episode maybe the the iron bank isn't in fact going to be supporting the lannisters the way that it seems yeah, but maybe they what, might though. get their cash. Those that that gold that they steal from Highgarden get that cash, and then end up joining Daenerys anyway. Yeah. I tell you what, though, this is why I'm kind of glad that there's only a seven episode season because they have to put so much into each one that each scene was the just quality magical. of each episode has been uh-huh. greatly improved. I agree with that. Just if you look back, if I don't know if you guys watched the first season again before coming to this season. I did. I did. It's I unbelievable. It like even that season back then for us looked amazing, but just the little bits of production value, the detail that has increased that made the experience so much better and so much more immersive and so much more believable. That yes. has gone up significantly. Details matter, and they've done a good job at it. Right. Yeah. So, um, so other than that. Andre, your your first impression as far as how well you kind of elaborated earlier that this episode really pushed the story for it. But what was your yeah. impression as far as did did it kind did this episode make you feel better about how 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 your theories are going to go into Game of Thrones, or did it make you feel like um, you're basically really don't know what's going to happen? Honestly, I think 
a lot of people, including myself, thought they knew was going to happen, that somehow Daenerys was going to be, you know, going to be sitting on the Iron Throne. But I, I really loved how this episode threw that into question for me. Because mm-hmm. honestly, it made it so much more interesting, made it so much more exciting. Uh, who would have thought that the Lannisters would leave their seat of power as bait? They left it there for Daenerys to come after, knowing she would do it, knowing that Tyrion would do it, and leave it there as bait, um, as a trap. Like that, that was incredible. Um, so overall. Um, you know, I don't know if this really fits into my theories. I, I was surprised almost at every turn. Um, I don't know the, the interaction with with John and Daenerys. I knew it wasn't going to be like lovey dovey as soon as they saw each other, but I didn't think it was going to be as tenuous as it was. What do you guys think? Yeah, I I believe that the the only thing that is kind of keeping me going that I'm like, all right, I'm pretty sure this is sort of gonna how this season is gonna be is the whole alliance between Jon Snow and Daenerys which everyone kind of predicted I I would say that's the one predictable thing that's actually come true thus far this season is the whole coming together of fire and ice you know people predicted that would happen and as we saw it's it's happening but aside from that in terms of what they're facing and uh everything that's happening to the all the rest of the characters that totally threw me for a loop this episode just nothing that I expected happened so I, I, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. I, I personally, um, so, 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 Diana, this, this, there's a question I want to ask you. How do you feel about Jamie now? Because Jamie had a lot of, yeah. he, he was involved in a lot of different emotions there. Well, it seems like he's still Cersei's man through and through, you know? I, I'm still waiting for him to slowly realize what, what Olena was warning him about that, you know, she's a monster and one day you're going to realize it. And I, th- I think that will happen. Her, wor- her words were definitely foretelling of something that will happen in the future. But as of this point in the season, he's still pretty clearly a Lannister. So nothing that he did this episode really surprised me. You know, he was still, he, he's her right hand man, essentially, you know, I mean, she's the, the mind and he's the one that's commanding their, their armies and making all the, war decisions and obviously he made a great decision in terms of the whole high garden versus casterly rock thing so uh it was kind of good to see him back in that powerful jamie lannister mindset where he's he's being smart he's learned from his mistakes as he admitted to olena and he took those mistakes from the war with rob and he applied them to this and the lannisters won this episode that's a good point. Ever since Rob has died, he hasn't lost one time. Right. You know, he, well, he lost. He, he got lost his, his butt hand. kicked by Rob. <laughs> well, he his yes, hand. but that was before Rob died. Was uh, it? Or, or Actually, no. I can't remember now. No, I think Rob. I think it was around the same time. It was the same season. All that happened in, but I'm not sure if it was before or after. Yeah, no, it was. Well, I don't know. Uh, Catelyn obviously was alive when she let him go. Right. So this was somewhere no, down the line. He was alive. Yeah, I'm calling it. She was. He was alive. Right. She was alive. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, I want to ask you something though, Diana. Um, it seems that Jamie also revealed why he is still with. Cersei is because he's looking at the bigger picture thinking that she's just going to bring peace to every to everyone and life will be kind of back to where it was and she's kind of bet the best person to do that I thought when he was talking with 
um, the um, the Lady of Thorns <laughs> that he kind of elaborated on, on why he was, you know, why he was like taking all of her stuff because the end result would justify the means. But that being said, do you think that Jamie will have to choose one day to either choose a different side that he will have to choose between Tyrion or Cersei? I'm not sure if the decision is going to be Tyrion versus Cersei. I think it's more going to be just Cersei versus rationality. <laughs> uh, but I do, yeah, I definitely think that eventually that's going to be a thing with Jamie this season. Is that he's? I mean, as I've said in prior podcasts, my my personal theory is that Jamie's going to have to be the one that kills Cersei um, because the prophecy says that one of her brothers is going to kill her, and I think it would just be more tragic and uh, dramatic for the series if Jamie's more poetic. To do absolutely, it. yeah. Right, exactly, because he's the one that's always been on her side so it would be more i mean yeah it it would definitely be a more interesting thing to see happen on the show for him to kill her after he's been her number one supporter this whole series versus Tyrion, who it's sort of expected you know that he hates her so uh but yeah i think nothing really surprised me in terms of him his commit you know his uh middle commitments whatever his his commitment to her (laughs) yeah Uh Do you think, though, that the information that he just learned from Lady Olenna, the Queen of Thorns, doesn't you think that might start to creep into his mind and say, okay, what was actually happening behind the scenes? I, you know, my brother, in fact, was innocent. Maybe I didn't believe him before. I still set him free. And then he ended up killing my father. So I hate him. But, you know, he killed my father for a quote unquote, a good reason, because he was framed for this murder. Don't you think that somehow that's going to change his viewpoint towards his sister and towards Tyrion? I don't think so. I, I think the whole... I, I don't think her revealing that she was the one to, to kill Joffrey is going to affect that in any way. Because the Joffrey and his death and whether he was deserving of it, I think, is kind of a separate issue to Jaime than everything that was going on with, with Cersei. So I don't think he's going to... I don't think it's going to make him question, oh, you know, was Cersei really up to something that, you know, made this, that resulted in this? I, I don't know. I don't think it's that deep. I think it was more so like, this was your son and I killed him. Yeah. And it was just kind of as simple No, as it, was something, it was something it, more It was there. something a little bit deeper. Like, it's it seemed to, like, really the, get to the core of who he was, like, his facial expression. Like, yes. his demeanor uh-huh. changed. His, yeah, because his that was his son. His countenance changed. Well, I, I get that, but, like... There was something very specific, uh, something very hurtful it shook about a, the. It shook a foundation. Exactly, it was something foundational about who he believed, who he was, who his sister was, who his house is, who he represents. He still believes he represents his father, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's exactly. I think the word you said, John, foundational, hits it on the head for me. Now that we've talked about our first impressions, let's go into our next segment, which is your three drop the mic moments from this episode. Diana, do you want to go first? Uh, uh, me, well, okay, o- Elena. I'm sorry that was the, that has to be everyone's number yeah, one here. That would have been my okay. number one. No one was expecting that. It was very sad for me. It was definitely surprising. That was definitely the point in the episode. Well, it was also the ending, but it was the point that I was the most sitting up in my seat and just. Wow, I can't believe that just happened. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, as to the other, can we go ones. every other? Can I do one? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, yeah. One. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. So I guess mine would be, and 
I guess it, I find it that's my job to kind of find the drop the mic moment that's a little bit more subtle. But Melisandre and Varys having Love that heart to heart or that challenge, yes. like Varys, as for Varys as much as he die. knows, for as much as he knows, he doesn't exactly know what happened in the north for Melisandre. Why she's been cast out? She says. Um, you know, she's done her part. She's brought fire and ice together, ice and fire together. Um, and it was just like, just that hearing that phrase, like that's the name of the books. That's the name of this whole story, a song of ice and fire to hear that said out loud for me, that made me, it felt like it made my heart skip a beat. It was just like, Oh my gosh, like this is so significant. This is what we've been waiting for all these years. This is the seventh year of this. Right. of the TV yeah, show that, that to me that was drop the mic my th- I agree with each of you each of, each of you guys drop the mic moments but I'm going to have to say that the reason why I agree they were drop the mic except for you Andre I like the, the scene you presented but I feel the drop the mic moment was when Melisandre told um, various that you have to die in a strange country too and oh, that's true to I know, forgot about that part she, yeah she seemed to know how he was going to die and it kind of shook him because she gave him that look like he got I shook know. just in the same way that he was shook on Marine when that red woman came to the pyramid and said all these things about him. Yes, right. you remember that? And this felt yes. like a like very similar moment. Like all the, all these red priestesses, priestesses, <laughs> priestesses, priestess, priestess yeah. <laughs> uh, know this about him. Can see this wherever they see what it's a fire or whatever. They know something innate about him, and he. For as much knowledge as he possesses, he gets freaked out by it. Right. Yes. And let's not forget that he he was castrated and mutilated and tortured by some sort of priest or some some sort of you know some magic wielding yeah. entity. Right. Exactly. So he, I think, might have some sort of fear against people like Melisandre. These sort he, of magical he sorcery. Well, he just right, detests sorcery, sorcery and... altogether, and, and he's they represent... like the hound in that way. Like he's afraid of fire uh-huh. and sorcery. Right. And like but I wanted to say though that the reason why they would drop the mic for me was because not the writing was so good. You got the impression that the predator was just playing with the prey, like a cat does with a uh, you know with it with a mouse before he de- before he devours it, like the movie like Predator. Uh huh. Like the way I'm Cersei. Here. The way Cersei was just playing with the the, the um, <laughs> Laria. <laughs> yes, the way Cersei was playing with the Laria sand, and the way that um, the Queen of Thorns was just playing with Jaime before right. before she dropped it. It was it was it's like amazing. it was so subtle and it was so well done. They was just literally just pawing at their at their food before they devoured it, right. and that's what and that's why. It seemed like those moments was really built up in a very subtle but powerful way. Right. And I was going to say, Varys actually came at her first. The, the the start of the scene was him coming at her and saying, hey, you're running away with your tail between your legs back to the other continent while you're afraid of Jon Snow. Weren't you just with him? You know, yeah. so he kind of comes out attacking her. So that one little thing she said to him, you know, Sound that like, just kind of yeah. put him in his place, you know, like, it, and now we, we know, I think definitively that. That's what happened in Marine too. He was... Say, making all these accusations against uh, the Lord of Light, and, and, you know, when that Red Priestess was there in, in the temple, and right. she cut him down right away, and he pretty much turned around with his tail behind his legs both times. Right. So, but um, with the Larry Sands moment, I was conflicted because 
before she killed her king, he told her, "You're you're too you're too rash, and what you're going to do is you, you're going to get yourself in trouble." And that's exactly what happened. And the way that Cersei kind of got her back in that last scene where the mother and the daughter are trying to get to each other, but they were literally a foot apart, but she could not do anything about it. And she has to sit there and watch her sister rot. That was, I didn't know that Cersei could get That's her more daughter, colder. Though. Yeah, her daughter. That's her way. daughter. Yeah, I know. Oh, you said I, sister. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that Cersei could get more colder than what she I, I thought she would maybe have the guy rape her or something yeah or, i was really surprised that she chose that i would think like she was going to bring the mountain in there and the mountain was going to do the same thing that he did to the viper um uh, to her brother that right well i think she wanted it to be slow and painful yeah. you know she wanted to for her for her to have to suffer and slowly watch this happen but i was kind of slightly disappointed in the fact that Alaria and her one sand snake that's actually left, they, they just kind of came off as so weak during that episode. I kind of wished that they had held up a little bit better, a little bit stronger, and kind of not let it get to them. But at the same time, you know, you needed that for dramatic effect so that Cersei seemed all the more powerful. But I kind of wasn't expecting them to act that broken. You know what I mean? You know, yeah. I didn't, yeah, I didn't really want to touch on this, but wasn't it so creepy that the very next scene, Cersei apparently like completely got off on this, and she's gonna go find her brother and just do whatever. Insert, oh yeah, it, insert it scene here, yeah. but it was just like that is so disgusting, so gross. Her torturing these women like makes her. Oh yeah, yeah uh huh. I just want to know one thing. Was was that a body double or not? <laughs> it probably was because she had a body double during the season that she uh, she had to do the walk of shame. There was shame. Uh, yeah, that was a body double, and then they shame they <laughs> shame shame. <laughs> but yeah, then shame. they uh, they used uh, special effects to shame. put her head on top of the uh, the other person's body. So I highly doubt that she would not you know, be unwilling to do that in that season and then all of a sudden be willing to do it this season. So have you guys ever yeah. seen an interview on TV with Lena Headley, the woman who portrays Cersei Lannister? Uh yeah, I've I've seen her on some talk talk shows. She's kind of a little bit awkward. She, she's and she, so awkward and shy. Yeah, she, she's like really sweet and awkward and like just right, like very like being, introverted. It's yeah. the complete opposite of Cersei. It's unbelievable. Right. Well, you know, yeah. you know, there are a couple of actors that that that's like that. Like, uh, did you guys ever watch Sons of Anarchy? Oh, it's no, on my I list. Haven't. Like the we, main we keep letting guy, you down, man. The main guy is this gangster guy, yeah. and when you see him in person, he's just so like so not like the right. guy on television. You know, yeah. he's quiet and 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 doesn't want to answer any questions. Shy is amazing. Right? Yeah, I've definitely noticed that about her. That's kind of interesting. But anyway. Okay. So I, I've had my I have two drop the mic moments. Dre, you you've only had one so far. What's your second one? I guess my second one, I if I could narrow it down. Okay, I'm gonna go with King's Landing parade. You're on pulling oh, area sand through through the streets of King's Landing, which was just like, and he's just like, he's loving it. You can see his face, just the way he's reacting to it. Just like, he's a Greyjoy, he's Ironborn. It was just like, it was just, it didn't seem very Ironborn of him. You know what I mean? I I had a problem with that scene. I I just didn't believe it. It was just, I I didn't, like, why, why are all these people 
Yeah, why do they love the at, Lannisters they so they much? They're just they King's Landing a, people. Right. No, I mean, forget, forget the Lannisters. They're cheering on Euron Greyjoy, yeah. who they don't know anything about. Right. If anything, all they know of them is that, you know, the, the Iron Board are regarded as these it's, brutal savages. It from seemed like place. mind control, honestly. Like, it's like politic, modern politics today. Like, there's just certain people just, like, just cheer for a guy just because he says a certain thing. To. You know? Right. But I guess the drop the mic moment that really I, I mentioned it earlier in first impressions, but just okay, two things in that like okay, they're in the court, they're in the throne room, and Euron is all over Jamie. Every, it seems like everything he does is to show up Jamie, and that is brilliant. I love that. That's hilarious. And then the other thing was Cersei saying to him, "Yeah, I'll give you your heart's desire." When the war is over, that <laughs> right. was when the war was, is won. Really, when the war is Come won. On. That was that was awesome. Like she totally played that. Like she and he's falling for it. And so all these other fall. women in this show just like have these men in their hands just to do whatever they want with. It's unbelievable. True, I know. It's hard to go through these drop, oh, drop the mic moments when we're kind of we probably all have the same ones, you know. So like once we've just <laughs> like I feel like. Uh, I, well, it's like a live draft, that. honestly. We can only. I have you know. one that you guys haven't mentioned yet. Yeah. Okay. This yeah, stare down between Jon Snow and uh, Daenerys when, when he first got in there. It was just yeah, like. That was, that was good. It was yeah. just like, you know, it was amazing the, the amount of tension and the um, and how out of place Sir Bravos was in announcing Jon. He was just like. <laughs> It was like Jon Snow, you know, King of the North. You know, it wasn't any kind of dramatic effect, whereas Daenerys had like this, all this, you know, seven, 750 names behind her and all that. That was um, fun. Yeah, I thought both of their acting was really good in that. I mean, because we've all been looking forward to the this scene of Jon and Daenerys finally meeting and just the discomfort that Jon's, you know that Jon Snow felt in being in that chamber, being out of his element. He, the actor, just did an amazing job showing that. And then Daenerys, I mean, she. How do you guys feel about her whole? You know, she's coming off a little bit mad queenie, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. But, but I, yeah. I felt that Jon was excellent in his response by saying yes when she asked him. Um, you know, do you, you know my my father did kill your people, but do you do you forgive? Can you forgive me for that? And then bow the knee. He was like, "Yeah, I forgive you because you didn't do it." Just like I don't have to bow the knee because right. <laughs> because right. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was the first time I've ever seen a monarch ask forgiveness for anything on this entire show. Yet you see her this season. She has these sort of mad queeny moments where you're like, "Ooh, she kind of she's become a little bit brutal and she's becoming this different person." But then she has these moments where you see the old Daenerys. What we love about her, the fact that she's so forgiving and that she actually is a good person at heart and the fact that she sat there and asked for his forgiveness for what her family had done to him and then she kind of went back to being mad queenie a little bit but then later i thought we saw the old daenerys when she came to him and and offered dragonstone uh to him for the mining of the dragon glass you know right. so it's kind of like she she flip-flopped this episode between oh she's uh, she's losing it she's becoming a crazy See, I, monarch, I still don't subscribe being... to the idea that she's losing it because she's come to this land now she's finally here she has to put on a certain yeah that, that's true you know, i don't know maybe i'm just m- getting too into that theory that yeah. she's gonna I be i don't know yeah. you, so, so that's so funny about that theory 
I feel like John and I kind of had that theory subscribed yes, to it. Yes, and, and I then you did. totally weren't on board with it. And the more totally we talk about it, now you're totally seeing it everywhere. <laughs> yes, I really am. I remember when you guys first brought it up, and I was like, no, there's no way that they're going to make our main protagonist, Daenerys, you know, go crazy. Like, come on, she's she's going to be the one that sits on the Iron Throne, and she's going to be amazing. Yeah. And then you guys put that little, planted that little seed in my head. And then ever since then, I just keep seeing it everywhere. And I can't, now I can't unsee it. Now this is where I think it's going, but that's just me. Okay, there is no way Daenerys is going to sit on the Iron Throne. There is no way. The the only person that's going to sit on the Iron Throne, because as I'm looking at it now, Cersei is not going to be there. It's too obvious. Daenerys is not going to be there. What do you mean it's too obvious? It totally could be Cersei. At the end, it could be Cersei. And, no. You know, it could be oh, the Night King. Her brother's going to kill her. The prophecy said that her brother yeah, uh-huh. would kill her. Yeah. And I think Tyrion's going to be on the Iron Throne when it's what? all said and done. No. Yes. No. That's yes. Yes. No Actually, one who's you know ever been hand has ever been on the Iron Throne. Look at the people who've shown as hand of the king or queen. They're never the top dog. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock that theory, the theory that it may happen. I will give you that. Do I think it will? No. But you know what? It might seem a little bit ridiculous now, and then you're gonna end up being right and I'm gonna feel stupid. So I will say that I will award you a slip pants that this actually happens. <laughs> <laughs> So how do you think – okay, now, one thing I like about this episode is this too, is that they, they, they didn't, like, neglect one part of the story to further another part of the story. Like, they're still, they're still working the, you know, the, the, the White Walkers, the Night King, into moving that story forward by allowing Jon Snow to mine for the Dragonglass and at least right. doing something productive. And we're seeing Samuel Tarly – apparently going through some obscure books that he has to copy, but we all know that's going to be something in there that's going to help further the story along and provide victory for them. Maybe. Uh, I definitely, I, I remember last week I was like, oh yeah, Sam's going to get kicked out of the Citadel for what he did, and obviously he that did not happen. So I didn't think that was going to happen. Neither did I. I. Apparently I suck at making theories, but I was so sure it was going to happen. I was so sure it was going to happen because of the fact that he has the Valyrian steel sword and it somehow has to get into the hands of Jon Snow or get up to the north. So I thought we got time for that. That could still happen. Yeah, we have time for that. So that was kind of unexpected. Um, I also like this episode also defined Bram's role in this world perfectly. He just basically laid it all out because it was always kind of, for us non-book readers, it was always kind of... You know, don't really truly understand what a three-eyed well, yeah, raven is, but now I do. He's, he... but well, even he's in the book, readers, we don't quite understand. understand. You know, we don't quite yeah. understand yet either. Right, exactly. All right, so, do we... But we, in a certain sense, we we still don't really know. I mean, we sort of know that the old Bran from the scene that we saw today of him reuniting with Sansa, we sort of know that the old Bran is lost, and that we know that he doesn't want to be Lord of Winterfell because he is the three-eyed raven. But in terms of how that's going to play, in, you know, how, how much of assistance he's actually going to be, we still don't really know that. You know, like, we don't know if he's going to be able to sit there and access these this knowledge at any point he wants, because right now he said it's in fragments, whatever that means. So I don't think he really knows how to use it yet. So how but he, he, did it say that he, he did say that he needed to talk with John. And there's something too there. He 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 has some kind of message for him that that he sees. Well, uh, uh, his, <laughs> his message is, oh hey John, your your mom, yeah, she's uh, 
she's who you thought your aunt was your whole life, and your dad is Rhaegar Targaryen. <laughs> That's the oh, message uh, he has uh, for him. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about that. Yeah. <laughs> so That's if he be exciting. So if he finds out he's a Targaryen, does that mean that he can no longer be with Daenerys? Wait, you're yeah, saying uh, if he is a Targaryen, he can't be with he Daenerys? Is a Tar- well, we already know he is a Targaryen. But and does that mean they can't unite? People are discussing that theory online for in the you know Game of Thrones communities for for so long about like it, are they actually going to get together because it would technically be incest or does it not really matter because the distant the uh, relation is slightly distant? Actually, it's not even distant. She's his aunt, I guess, yeah, it's right? An aunt. But the Tyr- right. Targaryens have been. I said the Tyrians. <laughs> the Tyrians. <laughs> the Targaryens have been. Right, they've been breeding amongst themselves right. for, they for inbreed, ages, which so. is what led to the Mad King to begin with. Right, exactly. So, I, I guess I'm I'm not really sure if that's going to happen or not. I sort of think it will that they'll get together, and okay. we're just going to have to turn a blind eye to the fact that she's technically his aunt. <laughs> so my question is, how disappointed or elated are you that it seems that Tyrion is being outsmarted by by Cersei and and, and her team? I mean, like, I love the fact that this is happening because it's not what I thought would happen. And I, like I said at the start of this, I'm really excited that the Lannisters finally have power again and we actually have a real villain uh, that's challenging Daenerys. But I do think the reason why they're sort of winning right now is because Tyrion will eventually win over them, you know? I just think it's kind of like, okay, we can't have him in the second and third episodes of this season all of a sudden destroying Cersei and his brother. That just wouldn't be realistic. We need to get through this season of Jamie and Cersei actually being a challenge just to eventually have him prevail in the end. And honestly, that's the story arc of both Tyrion and Daenerys. Both Tyrion and Daenerys have had ups and downs. Tyrion was prisoner at the Eyrie. Tyrion, you know, was prisoner at the Red Keep. Tyrion, you know, was slave in uh, Yonkai or whatever slave city that was. Every time he gets back up again, he goes up and down. This is another bump in the road for him. Obviously, it's another bump in the road for Daenerys. There's so many, you know, there's so many possibilities for Daenerys. This, the Jon Snow question is still there in terms of uh, being an ally. All of their allies have been wiped out. In, okay, in, in two episodes. Kind of, I can't believe that happened in two episodes. Like, who was expecting that? That all of them would be wiped out. Dorne, yeah. <laughs> Greyjoys, the Ironborn. I mean, we don't know uh, about the armies of Dorne, but essentially all of their allies have been decapitated. Everyone at that war, remember we made a big deal, or at least I did, about all of the women in that room? They're pretty much either all captured or dead now. Right, exactly. So and, and on... their, armies, their armies are a question mark. Like the Tyrell army, was the, Ty- was the Tyrell army at Highgarden with Olena, or were they I don't know. With- I think they might have been with the Unsullied taking Casterly Rock. Because wasn't that part of Tyrion? Wasn't that part of Tyrion's plan? If I recall no, correctly, they were going to lay siege. The Tyrell and Dornish armies were going to lay siege to King's Landing. We don't know whatever happened, what came about of the Tyrell army, but they've so, never so been was, known for. It was being just going to be. It was only going to be the Unsullied taking Casterly they Rock. The Unsullied, Unsullied by themselves would be able to take Casterly Rock because Oops. they had a plan to go through the sewers. They take it from the inside. They would need less people. Okay, for some reason I thought that, that the Tyrells were told to go with them to Casterly Rock, but maybe not. I, I could know. be wrong. Uh, it seemed like at the end, last episode at the, in that War Council meeting, uh, Tyrion's taking the Unsullied you know, marker on the board and knocking over the lines with just the Unsullied marker. All right. Hmm. 
So on our social media chat, we have this great tweet from Annie Bundle, and she has a GIF gifts of about 40 people holding up um, wands, the kind of wands that you might see on Harry Potter, but they're all lighted like a, um, you know, like a, um, like a lighter. And the tweet is, wands up for Alina Tyrell, the baddest player of the game for the House of Tyrell. <laughs> yep, that's for real. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think everyone right now, I, I didn't get a chance to really go online after the episode because we immediately started recording this, but, you know, quick checks that I did of the subreddits that I read, uh, Game of Thrones and everything, everyone is just kind of freaking out about the Olena thing, but her, because her, her death was just so badass. That speech it, was it, just amazing. It was, it was, and um, it the, to me, it was not only the words that were spoken, but it was the way that the scene was set up with her and Jamie talking, Jamie being in a position of power. and then he over po- her. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he poured the poison, and she took it right away. She didn't like – she was like – first she asked, am I going to be in pain? She said no, so she she dumped, she drank it down. But then when she put it down, she said, okay, now. Um, now it's my turn. And right. it, was, it, was, it was a great setup, great acting, a fantastic delivery, and a, and a great reaction by Jamie that we all felt. Right. Yeah, that was awesome. It was like, yeah. let me just get this one last dig in. Like, you're going to kill me? Well, here, let me just throw this at you. And I love the fact that they didn't show her death, you know? just That is true. That was, that was perfect, you know? Because they wanted to show her kind of ending on this high note. And obviously, she knows what this poison is going to do to her. Uh, and I just I thought it was awesome the way that they shot that and edited it. A lot of people on social media are saying that John and Daenerys had had great chemistry together, like, you know, and I don't know if I saw that or not. I don't know if I'd call that great chemistry. Maybe it's uh, maybe people are reading into something they they see they want to see, but they don't. It doesn't actually exist. I, I thought it was kind of like what I expected, you know, like I thought they both did a good job playing their characters. Um, but as of right now, because their characters are in two such different places and they're not really allies yet it i don't know I, there wasn't really a chance to show chemistry really you know you know what i mean besides them butting heads because yeah. esen- essentially the their only interactions this whole episode was them them kind of uh being stubborn with each other about oh well i'm not bending the knee to you oh well i'm not bending the knee to you sort of thing so i'm not sure how much chemistry really can be yeah. Trade through that, but okay. I ha- I have a second question that I just saw on social media, so it's a good point I want to bring up, and it's from at Blue Reputation. And what they said was was that Tywin Lannister said one day, "Any man who must says I am king is no true king." And then he says Daenerys is doing the same exact thing. What do you guys think about that? That's an I interesting mean, point. I mean, to a certain extent, Daenerys has to say it has to say that she's queen and has to say that she's the rightful heir to the seven kingdoms because you know she's educating she feels like she needs to educate but when you have three dragons to back it up you know that means something different i don't think tywin lannister ever ever thought that you know dragons would be back and this person would be in such a position of power that she isn't you know what i mean Right. Almost, also, I think he. Sorry, go ahead. No, it almost seemed like he was just passing judgment on those other people. You know what I mean? Yeah, I th- I think the type of thing that he was referring to when he said that was the way that Joffrey would 
go go around making these terrible decisions and then when people kind of hesitated to obey it would be well i'm king i am the king you know do as your as your king says and so uh that's when his grandfather was sort of like all right anyone who goes around having to tell everyone left and right oh i'm king i'm king is no real king you know if you have to keep you know keep telling people and reassuring people that they should make terrible decisions just because you're the king then what does that really say about you but daenerys isn't really doing that you know she's she's kind of saying i'm the rightful heir and uh she's right context is everything in that case right but she's not doing it to rationalize you know terrible brutal yeah exactly. exactly she's not doing it to rationalize evil decisions okay so um Another thing I wanted to t- talk about is that right before, right right before um, Elena Terrell took the you know took 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 the wine and kind of drank it, I forgot how she also set that up by asking Jamie what kind of um, what was the name of the sword that your son named. You know how she kind of like brought back all kind of memories of, of of her son. Jamie thought he was in charge the whole time when she actually was, and and how she kept her kept her kept her wits about her and basically set him up for the final for, for the final dose when she was talking about Joffrey and how he, you know what what was his sword name and all those things and telling him about how his how Cersei is bad basically she from the moment he walked in even though she was the one dying he was the one left he left there changed man right yeah i agree which is that's all I want to highlight. Which was, right. I guess, the point of the whole, the whole. I think the whole yeah. episode kind of. I think the whole episode. Everyone got changed during this episode. All four teams, something they, they were changed. Every every everyone everyone was different from the time they ended the episode to the time they left. We didn't get really a, get a chance to talk about Winterfell yet. I know we're getting long on time here, but uh, did you guys notice how well? the leadership of uh, the North was responding to Sansa's leading. It seemed like they were ready and willing to listen to her and she had really good wisdom. And, uh, but the interesting thing that happened right after that was Littlefinger coming to her and saying, you know, fight every battle everywhere, always every possible series of events that always happens, be prepared for everything. So you're never surprised ever. And then the next very thing that happens is something she would never have fathomed. Bran shows up. Right. I thought that was like crazy. That to me, I that was that the most was actually, emotional moment for me. Yeah, I thought that was uh, actually a really good. It was interesting. He was actually giving her really good advice, you know. Right. And obviously, that was foreboding of what's going to happen uh, with her while she's in command. But it actually was good advice, you know. But she already knew that, you know. He was kind of telling her. Stuff that she already knows. She's already faced so much unexpected. You know, the path that she's taken has just been so ridiculous and nothing has been, has gone as she's planned. So I would say she already is kind of prepared for anything to come her way because anything has come her way already up until now. It's almost interesting because it seems like whatever will happen, whatever surprise attack will be there, he's going to be the one to lead it. Littlefinger's going to be the one to surprise her. I'm still unsure about what what role he's going to play. It's interesting because when we first started this podcast, I was all gung-ho about this theory. Apparently my theories are terrible, but uh, my theory was that he was going to be the villain of this 
so <laughs> he was going to be the villain of this season and that he was going to have this huge role to play this season. And thus far, he's just been lurking in the corners, not doing anything. So I don't really know what he's planning on doing. I still think something's going to happen with him. There has to be. Yeah, but... I mean, that's why he keeps showing up. That's why they keep showing him smirking, literally sulking in the corner. Right, exactly. Well, he has. he is so dramatic and he is so smart. You know he's setting it up. He's going to have a really big scene soon. And he is going to position himself whereas you're going to want to team up with me, but you don't have a choice because if you don't, this is going to happen and you don't want that to happen. Do you think he's the one that's going to bring John and Daenerys together? Because yes. I think the more and more I think of it, I know you guys were, were kind of not in on my idea. I, I'm almost certain now that Littlefinger knows who John is and knows who his parents are. Like I'm remembering now those conversations in the crypt, uh, that he had, uh, with John, uh, with Sansa Winterfell. Like I'm almost certain of it. I don't know. I, I still don't believe you on that, but I'll give it a I shot. think so. I, I, um, <laughs> Andre, I'm kind of with you now that I think, I think he has a major Littlefinger is a type of guy to me. Okay. I'm, I suck at playing cards. Like, I can never be a poker player because I just don't have the kind of face for it. I never get the right card when I need it. And I used to always see this guy play, and he will always get the right card just when he needs He right. just had that kind of luck. Littlefinger seems to be that kind of guy where no matter where he is, the right card always seems to come up for him some kind of way. So, guys, it's time to wrap up this podcast, but I want to wrap it up with this question I'm going to ask each of you. If you guys had one wish that could happen to a character, a minor character, or just a minor thing, um, what would that wish be? And let, let, let's hear from you first, Andre. I think for me it would be hearing from Arya and having Arya and John reunite because I think they're kindred spirits. I feel like each of them have gone through so much. And just to see the two of them maybe sit down have a beer and just talk to me. That's, that's would be very satisfying. Okay. And you, Diana, for me, uh, we were kind of just talking about this and I didn't, I said, I didn't really agree with your guys theory, but in an ideal world, I would love to see Tyrion be the one that prevails with this whole series. And I want him to live the rest of his years with Bronn, drinking some good wine, leaning back and just being Tyrion and Bronn, like the good old days. That would be awesome. That could be a good show, Tyrion and Bronn. It would be. Okay, my wish would be is that they started from the very beginning and totally just wrote Theron out the script. I wish I just never saw him. I wish he never appeared. I wish he would just disappear. Wait, who? Theron of Greyjoy. Did I say his name correctly? Theon Greyjoy? Theon, oh, Theon Greyjoy? The, Theon Greyjoy, yes. I really? Wish he just... never, it's weird. You've never mentioned hating him up until now. Well, I saw him, and, and he appeared on this show, and I'm like, why did he appear on this show? Why did he have to rescue him? He didn't do anything to further this great episode. But he was the one boil of this show that was just... He is the pathetic figure of this whole series. He That's why he exists. Like From the very first episode of this show, he was kind of the pathetic one. He continues right. to be so. Yeah, but he he may have a role to play, and he may have a redemption saying. and a role to play. You know, yes, Theon I believe will have a part to play <laughs> in the fate of 
the Game of Thrones. He has to because God dang, man, he just like you know. Every time I think he's gone, he stills here. He's just like, like man, come on, can he die? Is he impossible for him to pass away? Is he some kind of god or something? Let this guy go. He won't. He will not leave my screen. But what is dead will never die. But <laughs> <laughs> comes back stronger and harder. And it does. <laughs> He, Andre, he is the essence of his sigil. He really is. But anyway. And Andre, I think we'll end with that. Now it's time to drop the mic.